Session 3. The Life and Teachings of Jesus Session 3. The Life and Teachings of Jesus Regardless of one's faith perspective, it is difficult to deny that the Jesus of history was one of the most influential persons to have ever lived. Given this importance, why is it important to know where and when Jesus lived? Of what value is an historical understanding of Jesus? Why is Jesus often recognized as a great teacher, even by those who do not see him as the Messiah? How was the teaching of Jesus different from the teachers of his time? What was the primary theme of his teaching? What teaching methodologies did he use? Such questions as these will be addressed as we survey Jesus' life and teachings. Who is Jesus? Sources Accepting the importance of Jesus of Nazareth, a question arises concerning our sources of information about him. The question of sources is of chief importance in any study of historical persons or events. Certainly, our primary sources of information are the Gospels themselves, supplemented by other New Testament documents. However, we may ask if the Gospels did not exist. Are there other sources that substantiate the existence of the Jesus of history? The answer to this question is yes. Jewish, Roman, and Christian in nature. Jewish. In his work, The Antiquities of the Jews, the first-century Jewish historian Josephus refers to the stoning of James, the brother of Jesus, who was called the Christ. Roman. Pliny the Younger, Tacitus, and Suetonius demonstrate an awareness of a group known as Christians who worshipped a person called Jesus. These writers affirm that Jesus was put to death during Tiberius' reign by the procurator Pontius Pilate. Christian Stories about Jesus and his life and teachings are found in the New Testament Apocrypha, a group of non-canonical writings having the form of Gospels, Acts, and Letters. For example, the Infancy Gospel of Thomas tells stories about Jesus' childhood. Such writings represent perspectives about Jesus that would develop in early Christianity. Their value for understanding the historical Jesus is highly questionable. These writings do not appear among those recognized by the Church as inspired and authoritative for Christian faith. The general nature of the Gospels, our main source for the life of Jesus. Modern biographies usually begin with an account of the subject's childhood years, and then progress consecutively through adolescence and adulthood to show how the mature person has developed in response to the various influences of early life and environment. The Gospels are primarily a witness to Jesus. Their main emphasis is the last week of Jesus' life. This is prefaced by the reports of Jesus' teaching and accounts of a few events from the three years before His death. There is no real discussion of His childhood and adolescence. The Gospel material was preserved. Oral Tradition The events and teachings of Jesus were passed from one generation to the next through memorizing the stories. We know that in oral societies today, peer monitoring for accuracy is continual. They allow room for different perspectives and points of view, but are intolerant of inaccuracies or deliberate skewing of information. Written Tradition In the case of the stories of Jesus, there was an early commitment to writing. These took different forms, miracle stories, pronouncement stories, sayings and parables, instruction for disciples, sayings collections such as Q, and passion narratives. 
It is difficult to know which of these forms was primarily written and which were oral, because all we have at this point in time are the written copies of the documents. Roles of Jesus Found in the New Testament Teacher Jesus was called rabbi by his followers and disciples, both men and women. Luke 8, 1-3 The term rabbi during this time was not a technical designation indicating special schooling for this position, as it came to mean later on in Judaism, but it does denote a teacher with students or disciples, which was also characteristic of the scribes of the first century. Healer Jesus was also a healer, not just of diseases, but also of demon possession. His miraculous powers showed authority over both the physical and the spiritual worlds. Lord Quite remarkably, Jesus was also called Lord or Master by his followers. These terms indicate that his authority was recognized. Lord or Master was a term commonly used for people of importance but also was the name used for God since Jews were prohibited from using God's name, Yahweh. For example, note Mark 2, 23-28 and 3, 1-6, where Jesus calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath. Miracle Worker Matthew 12:27 tells us Jesus is not the only miracle worker who drove out demons, but he was significantly different in that he did not charge for his miracles. His miracles were often used to help people hear what he had to say. Reasons for his miracles can be found in three different Greek words used and translated miracle in English. These include dunamis, power. They witness to Jesus' power and thus establish Jesus as the Messiah. Samia, sign. They were signs that in Jesus the kingdom of God had come. Tepas, wonders. Their purpose was to teach the wonders about who Jesus is and what the kingdom of God was about, not to entertain. Miracles can be categorized into these types. Provision, Luke 9, 10-17, 5-1 and following. Healing, Mark 5, 21-43. Destruction, fig tree, Matthew 21, 18-22. Authority over the physical world, calming of the sea. Mark 4, 35-41 Authority over the spiritual world Matthew 9, 1-8 New creation miracles of exorcisms Mark 5, 1-20 And resurrection John 11, 38-44 Messiah and Savior Jesus is acknowledged as the Messiah in John 1, 41 and 4, 25 He never used the title for himself because of the possibility for it to be misunderstood Christ, which is Greek for Messiah, is used so often in the New Testament that some people think it is Jesus' last name. However, since it was not commonly used for Messiah before Jesus' time, the Christian community was able to give this word the special meaning of Messiah, which Jesus came to be. Jesus is specifically referred to as Savior in Luke 2.11, John 4.42, and 2 Timothy 1.10. Where did he live? Date of Jesus' birth, historical issues to consider. Several historical events give us clues as to when Jesus was born. We know it had to be before Herod the Great died in 4 BC, since he was still king approximately two years after Jesus' birth, when the wise men arrived in Judea. Luke tells us Mary and Joseph came to Bethlehem because of a census decreed by Augustus when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Here we have our first problem. 
Since secular historical data tells us Quirinius was made governor of Syria in A.D. 6-7 through when he finished the census, here we have our first problem. Since secular historical data tells us Quirinius was made governor of Syria in A.D. 6-7 through when he finished the census, in trying to harmonize these issues, some scholars suggest Quirinius may have finished his census in A.D. 6-7 through when he was made governor of Syria, but he may have been given the commission much earlier, and that is the time to which Luke is referring. Another historical event is the appearance of the Christmas star. There are several explanations of the star, including the belief that it was a miracle star just for that occasion to those who believe. Others think it is just a story and there is no historical substance to it. A middle road suggests God worked through the naturally occurring phenomenon, which was being interpreted by these Eastern wise men or pagan priests according to their traditions. A possible reconstruction from the history of astrology is 7-6 through 6 BC, a conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn, which would indicate the birth of a king according to their traditions. 5 BC, Comet Williams number 52. 4 BC, Nova or Comet, Williams number 53. Following these events in the heavens, it would have taken the Magi westward over a period of two years. The astrological significance of these events would lead the Magi to inquire in the palace for the birth of a king, which is what they did. Another historical consideration comes from the scripture itself. Luke 3 1 and 23 tells us Jesus was about 30 years old in the 15th year of Emperor Tiberius's reign. The official date of him becoming emperor is A.D. 14, but he had been sharing power since A.D. 11. This later date is likely the date Luke used. So Jesus was baptized in A.D. 24-25 through 25 and born in 6 or 5 B.C. before Herod the Great's death in A.D. 4. The current numbering system for the Gregorian calendar was developed by the Dionysius Exegus, or Dennis the Small. He based the calendar on what he thought was the date of Jesus' birth, which occurred 532 years earlier. He miscalculated the birth of Jesus by at least four years. Therefore, we have Jesus born between 6 and 4 BC, before Christ. Also, there was no concept of zero which removes one more year from the calculations when crossing over from B.C. to A.D. Dates of Jesus' Ministry There are uncertainties about the exact date for the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. Luke indicates a time around A.D. 24-25. through 25. There are also questions about the length of that ministry. As we read the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, Luke, we gain the idea that his ministry was about a year in length. A reading of John's Gospel, however, indicates a period of around three years. The synoptics, therefore, provide us with a condensed version of Jesus' life. In any case, Jesus' death and resurrection are likely no later than A.D. 29-30, through 30, and perhaps as early as A.D. 27-28. through 28. Early period. Little is known of the time between Jesus' birth and the beginning of His public ministry. This period is sometimes referred to as Jesus' silent years. Concerning Jesus' birth, only Matthew and Luke provide infancy narratives. Growing up in Nazareth, little is known of Jesus' life. From Mark 6.3, we learn that Jesus did not grow up as an only child. He had both brothers and sisters. One incident in his early life at age 12 that is recounted by Luke concerns his attendance with his parents at the Feast of Passover in Jerusalem. 
During this time, such journeys were often taken in large groups. On the way home, Mary and Joseph realize that Jesus is not with them. Upon returning to Jerusalem, he is found in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Luke 2, 46, NRSV A summation of his life up until his public ministry is provided in Luke 2, 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and men. NIV Public Ministry At around age 30, Jesus' silent years came to an abrupt end with his baptism by John. As recounted in Mark 1, 9-11, Matthew 3, 13-17, and Luke 3, 21-22, on this occasion, we see the heavens being torn apart and the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus in bodily form like a dove. We also hear a voice from heaven saying, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. It is interesting that after this elevated spiritual experience, Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where He is tempted by Satan for forty days. Luke provides more detail than does Mark of this event, 4, 1-12. In Luke, this period is seen as one in which alternate paths of being Messiah are presented and rejected, with the responses of Jesus deriving from Deuteronomy. Following the clarification of Jesus' messianic vocation, the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, present Jesus as centering His public ministry in Galilee. John tells of a preliminary time in Judea, 1, 19-4-54. In any event, Galilee was an important area in the early ministry of Jesus. It is here that the twelve are appointed as a group into which Jesus would pour His life and teachings as He prepared them for a special mission. The number twelve recalls the twelve tribes of Israel, a people that continued to conceptualize itself as a people of twelve tribes, even though this had not literally been the case since the 8th century BC. Whatever else the significance of the selection of the twelve, it signifies that the ministry of Jesus is to be seen in the context of God's promises to His people Israel. The nature of Jesus' public ministry may be summarized in terms of His preaching, teaching, and healing. His preaching announced the coming of the kingdom of God. This coming was given evidence by His healings and other miracles. In addition, Jesus spoke with an authority which went beyond other teachers of His day. In carrying out this mission, Jesus experienced both popularity and opposition. The Gospels present the idea that Jesus' ministry moved toward Jerusalem with an awareness of what awaited Him there. His closest followers could hear words of victory, but their Jewish background was of no assistance when it came to words of suffering. A suffering Messiah was not being looked for by the Jews. Last Days in Jerusalem Jesus' entry into Jerusalem is called His Triumphant Entry, an event that we commemorate on Palm Sunday each year. This event is named for the leafy branches which were waved by the people as Jesus entered the city. Messianic expectations ran high. It was hoped that the King of the Jews was entering Jerusalem to begin His reign. As recorded in the Synoptic Gospels, a major event that would have bolstered these expectations was Jesus' cleansing of the temple, one of the three pillars of Judaism along with the law and the land. The tables of the money changers and animal sellers were overturned, and they were driven out of the temple. Mark 11, 15-18 
Matthew 21, 12 through 16, Luke 19, 45 through 46. This event in which Jesus demonstrates authority over the temple was one of the events that would lead to the final plot against Jesus' life and his eventual crucifixion by the Romans. Each of the Gospels presents such events as Jesus' betrayal, trial before the Jewish Sanhedrin, supreme ruling Jewish council, and Pontius Pilate, and execution by crucifixion. Resurrection and Appearances For all other figures in history, Jesus' death on a Roman cross would have been the end of the story. The unanimous witness of the New Testament, however, is that this is not the case. Rather, on the third day after his death, Jesus was raised from the dead by God. The resurrection of Christ is the primary affirmation of the Christian church on which all else depends. It provides the basis for our hope for resurrection as well. In addition, the New Testament affirms that Jesus' resurrection was not a private affair, but that he was seen by many others. While the authors of the gospel or evangelists, each in their own distinctive way, provide the fullest account of Jesus' resurrection, a much earlier account, in terms of dating, is found in 1 Corinthians 15, 3-8. Paul asserts that the resurrected Christ appeared to Cephas, Peter, the Twelve, more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, Jesus' brother James, and all the apostles, a group beyond the Twelve, and lastly, to himself. The Teachings of Jesus Jesus had authority. One of the first things noticed by the people who listened to the teachings of Jesus was that he taught with authority. Greek has a couple of words translated authority in English, but they imply different things. The scriptures say Jesus had exousia, a Greek word meaning freedom of choice or right to act, the ability, capability, or power to do something, the authority, absolute power, warrant to do something. But in the scripture, it is also clear Jesus did not have role authority, huperoki, which is a place of earthly superiority or prominence. The term is used in 1 Timothy 2.2 when Paul exhorts Timothy and the church to pray for kings and others in authority. Matthew 7.29 tells us Jesus taught as one having authority. This was in contrast to the scribes who would say, according to Rabbi so-and-so, this would be interpreted this way. The people noticed Jesus spoke as one who knew what he was talking about. He spoke as one who had the power to understand life and had the right to explain it to us. Luke also addresses the issue of Jesus' authority in several different passages. He speaks with authority, power, 432. He acts with authority, 436. He forgives sins with authority, 524. He gives his disciples authority, 9, 1 through 2. In Luke 20, 1 through 8, Jesus' authority is questioned by Jewish leaders, but the question was insincere and designed to trap Jesus into something they could twist into blasphemy. His power was God's power or that he was God. So Jesus answers with a question that would put them in a delicate position about John the Baptist, who is executed by Herod. Kingdom of God is the central theme. Mark 1-5 through The central theme of Jesus' preaching was the kingdom of God. Mark and Luke used the phrase kingdom of God, which probably reflects a primarily Hellenistic audience. Matthew uses primarily kingdom of the heavens, with heavens being an alternative name for God. 
This reflects the Jewish practice of avoiding using the name of God for fear of breaking the commandment found in Exodus 27. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. What did Jesus mean by kingdom of God? Many Christians and church theologians have assumed Jesus was talking about the church or community Jesus' followers would form. In English, when we use the term kingdom, we think of a territory ruled by a king. But the Greek word translated into English as kingdom, basileia, more often means the activity of a king rather than the territory he rules. The Aramaic word which most scholars think Jesus himself used, malkutha, certainly has that meaning. So we are justified in supposing that Jesus was talking about what we might call the kingship of God, rather than his kingdom. Therefore, the phrase kingdom of God means God's reign or rule. It does not indicate a territory God rules over. It indicates Jesus was not so concerned about a new society as about the quality of life and the relationships people have with each other and with God. In Jesus' teachings, the kingdom of God is both future and present. Future, Mark 14, 25 The promise of final salvation is coming. Jesus is coming back to have fellowship with His people and to bring ultimate salvation and justice. Present, Luke 17, 20-21 When Jesus was questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus responded that the kingdom of God does not come visibly because the kingdom of God was within or among you. In Luke 11.20, as well as other places, the implication is that the presence of the kingdom of God depends on the presence of the king. So the kingdom of God is wherever the presence of Jesus is present. What did Jesus teach through his life and roles? Compassion and justice issues. Through the several roles Jesus took on, his values of compassion and justice were demonstrated. As a miracle worker, he demonstrated not only his ability to heal, but his compassion for the masses. Most miracle workers of his time charged a fee for their services, but Jesus did not. He healed freely. Some passages in the New Testament talk about Jesus as a revolutionary deliverer, champion of the peasants, or a spokesperson for the poor. Mary's Magnificat in Luke 1, 46-55 is a prime example. This shows his concern for justice and the condition of the poor. Jesus is also portrayed as a prophet to judge unrighteousness. In John 9.39, NIV, Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Here, the indication is that unrighteousness is not just wrong actions, as thought by the Pharisees, but it begins in the inner person, those who are blind because that is their choice. Jesus is the Savior. The Apostle Paul tells us the resurrection is God's definitive word on the person of Jesus. He is the center of the Christian faith. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-6 is an early creed which Paul tells us all Christians were taught. Jesus died for our sins, He was buried, and He was raised on the third day. It doesn't stop there. The creed goes on to say, The resurrected Jesus appeared to the twelve and to five hundred believers at one time. Yes, Jesus' teachings and life are very important, but the confirmation of Jesus and His mission came with the resurrection. This issue of resurrection 
was not an easy one for everyone to understand in the first century. The Sadducees and Greco-Romans did not believe in the resurrection of the body. For the Greco-Romans, the idea of the resurrection of the body was ludicrous since they believed the body was a prison of the soul, which was freed at death. Why would anyone want to return his or her soul to a bodily prison? Paul had to spend a lot of time helping new Gentile Christians understand Jesus' resurrection and their own. There were, of course, the Pharisees who believed in the resurrection, Acts 23, 6-8. Jesus' resurrection is described in the sense that they understood resurrection. Theological Issues Jesus' Role in Salvation and God's Agent of Salvation Four very significant terms are used in the New Testament to elaborate and define Jesus' role in salvation. The first title to discuss is Messiah. Jesus never directly used this term to describe himself because it was so colored by the contemporary understanding of an apocalyptic political deliverer of the Jewish people. The Messiah was seen as a king, so it was a contradiction in terms for him to be anointed and to suffer. In Luke 24:26, the resurrected Jesus used the term Christ and reinterpreted the role of Messiah as suffering servant. Jesus uses the phrase Son of Man in describing his role in judgment and his relationship to his death and resurrection. Judgment, Matthew 25:31-32. Death and resurrection, Luke 9:22. Jesus as the Son of God is declared by God's Witness, Mark 1.11, 9.7. John's Witness, John 1.14. God's Peace Child, John 3.16, Romans 8.3. Through the Son of God we become sons and daughters of God, Romans 8.14-15. The most common title for Jesus in the New Testament is Lord. This title is used in relation to Jesus' suffering and exaltation, Philippians 2, 6-11. Prayer and confession are made to Jesus our Lord, 1 Corinthians 16, 22. And this term, which is also used of God in the Old Testament, refers to the exclusiveness of sovereignty, 1 Corinthians 8, 6. How did Jesus teach? As a teacher, Jesus used a variety of methodologies play on words, similes, metaphors, hyperbole, proverbs, Hebrew parallelism. Of particular interest are his parables. One-third of Jesus' teachings are in the form of parables. Through parables, Jesus illustrated what he meant by the kingdom of God and its value in our lives. Generally, Jesus' parables have one main point, but some of them have more than one lesson to teach. Mark 4, 11-12 seems to suggest Jesus told the parables deliberately to hide the meaning of what he was trying to say. This thought is so contrary to what we know of Jesus and his teaching that it must be interpreted in light of a parallel passage, Matthew 13, 13. Matthew indicates Jesus taught in parables because the people just had difficulty understanding. A common definition of parables is that parables are earthly stories with heavenly meanings. At the heart of parables are comparisons or analogies. The noun parabole and the verb parabellon convey the ideas of setting beside or comparison. Using topics from everyday life such as employment practices, financial investments, and farming, Jesus brought new and at times unsettling revelations to those who heard his words. 
their words were turned upside down. Application Read Mark, Matthew, and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels. Make note of where they are similar and different. What is the nature of the sections that are similar? What is the nature of the sections that are different? Read the Gospel of John. Make note of where John and the Synoptics are similar and different. What is the nature of the sections that are similar? What is the nature of the sections that are different? Read the introductory material to the Gospels, which you can find in any study Bible. Write down what you want to find out about the content of the Gospels, the form of the Gospels, the trustworthiness of the Gospel accounts, and why the Gospels were written. Read Mark 4.11, Matthew 13, Luke 10.25-37, and Luke 15. Address the following items. Tell what the passage is talking about. Identify the main points or principles being taught. Suggest a modern application of these principles.